Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? Today is a special bonus episode dedicated to our Facebook group. Shout out to all of you, by the way. We hit our 6K mark. I am so happy. We finally, finally get to bring you this case. I've had it done for a couple of months now, so it's it's nice to finally get to record it. Absolutely. It's because of you guys that we are here today. Our next Facebook bonus will be for the month of January if we obtain the 6,250 members mark. So only 250 new members need to be added by January 31st. And then you guys will win the episode of Baby Lisa Irwin. Yes. And the Facebook group also gives you guys updates. And, you know, things that we may need to tell you about, maybe some updates on cases or changes. When it comes to episodes, this is the place to get all of your details. Well, with that said, let's get started on the Ken and Barbie killers and the innocent victims who will be telling their side of the story. I don't know if anyone has ever covered that side of the story, but we wanted to make sure that their side was being heard. Yes. Now, this case is very close to home. I grew up in Toronto, and Paul Bernardo was completing these crimes in the surrounding area. I also had an ex of mine whose aunt went to school with him and knew him well as well. I actually know a lot of people who have had a personal relationship with him in the past, and it's pretty crazy on how close to home this is. How about Carla? Did anyone connected to you know her? Surprisingly, no, but not that anyone openly admitted to anyways. So there's a lot of theories and evidence and details of this case, and I am sure everyone in Canada has heard about it, but we are going to go over the case for the people who haven't heard about it, also refreshing everyone's minds. Now, before Carla and Paul became an item, Paul Bernardo had started raping people in 1985. I was only two years of age at this point. He would stalk teen girls in the GTA area. They didn't really have a lot of details of what this rapist looked like, other than a drawing that would be placed all over, indicating to look out and just be careful of lurking men. The issue with this was that Paul Bernardo didn't give off the serial rapist vibe and was super charming, and that luring women was easy, and unfortunately, he kept going and obviously getting away with it. Even with the details of this man being between the ages of 18 and 22 years of age, he would carry on and rape at least 14 women in those five years. I also want to comment on this as well. I actually feel like there were a few others as well. I feel like there's about nine to 10 people that did not come forward. I even feel like a few of them knew him personally and really just pretended nothing ever happened. That is messed up. What a sicko. Oh, he really is. Now, he loved to document everything for his own personal pleasure. And of course, he would show the world his work when he was ready for it. It was his trophy. He would critique his approach and make it, you know, better the next time. I feel like he wanted to record each and every one of these moments, but sometimes he didn't have his equipment and he just had to go live with these memories inside. He also would sometimes grab them from behind and drag them into bushes. 
He had even snuck into a girl's bedroom and he tried to rape her when the mother walked in. Sadly, the wrong guy was convicted of that crime because of this. In 1990, there was a very important piece of information that could have been imperative to this case if they had followed up on it. Tips actually led them to Paul Bernardo, and he allowed the authorities to collect his DNA and submit it in the central database for forensic science. His DNA went nowhere for two years. On October 17, 1987, Paul met Carla at a hotel restaurant at the time. She was 17 years old. She worked as a volunteer at an animal hospital. According to sources, they found to have a lot in common and even with luring girls, she wanted to be involved in on it. Sadly, I don't feel like he came right out and said, hey baby, I want you to help me hunt and scare these women. I think it was more like a, I like this and I need a sidekick so I can actually take the next steps further. Now, I know it's pretty sick and twisted and I feel in her mind, she felt like she had hit the jackpot with him and wanted to be with him so bad she didn't care what he wanted her to do either. She said she would go along with it. I even feel like she felt like he was, you know, joking half the time, but obviously that was before things started to happen. The two of them became engaged in 1998. He started to voice that he was getting bored with their sex life. And since she had learned about his rape victims and he used to tease her and call her used goods because she wasn't a virgin. Since she didn't want him to feel so disturbed that she wasn't doing it for him anymore. She thought about how her sister Tammy was a virgin and how she was only 15 years of age at the time. So the couple had made plans to get her drunk, rape her as a Christmas gift. How romantic. On December 23rd, 1990, the couple lured Tammy into the Homoka basement as the parents slept upstairs. The goal was to get her drunk enough to make her pass out, but doesn't look like that was working. So they decided to use animal tranquilizers that Carla took from her job, Once this finally worked, Bernardo wanted Carla to sexually assault her younger sister before he raped her, of course. And of course, this whole thing was filmed. Tammy started to vomit and she started choking on her own vomit. Ultimately, she ended up dying. But instead of helping her, they dressed her. And once she was actually dead, they put her back in her own bedroom. They claimed that Tammy had choked on her own vomit as a result of too much drinking. But you would think they would call the cops at that point. Something, something seems amiss. Anyway, her death was ruled as an accident and wouldn't be investigated as a homicide until after they investigated the other victims. They had discovered that Tammy had sustained burns on her face due to the killers covering her mouth and nose with holothane, so a holothane-soaked cloth to keep her quiet. Yes. Now, before I carry on to the next victims and the rest of this story, I just want to mention Tammy a little more here. Now, she is a pretty loud spirit. And from the sounds of it, even more than Carla offering her as, you know, an option to Paul, a lot happened that she would like to talk about first. Oh, yeah? Like what? Well, first off, Carla was very disconnected from Tammy. And for whatever reason, she always was mad at her. She looked at Tammy like she would get the best of everything, and Carla had a hard time with that. She was always jealous. A few days before the incident took place, 
Carla had decided to try and talk to her sister and see if she could make things a little easier. She asked her about sex and if she ever thought about having sex and talking about her own experiences with sex, even with exes and Paul as well. I feel like she questioned her about having sex and if she wanted to do it. I even feel like she said something like, if you could have sex with Paul, would you? I feel like Tammy had given the impression that she had no interest in it. Then I feel like Carla asked her if she wanted to get drunk with them at Christmas and have a good time. And I feel like Tammy hesitantly agreed on this. Not to say that she wanted to agree, but I feel like she wanted to be liked by Carla. So she went along with it. I even feel like she told a few friends of hers to show them that she, you know, seemed cool. She was kind of more on the nerdy side. Her friends thought it was a way for her to become more popular in school with showing them these stories. I feel like Carla kept talking it up at night as this was happening. And I feel like Tammy didn't really like the taste of drinking. I even feel like Tammy had told them she didn't want to drink anymore. And it was making her feel weird and not in a good way. And from what she shows me, she was sick. She was actually feeling sick way before they even injected her with the animal tranquilizers. I feel like they started to take advantage of her even before she got to the drunkest stage she got to. Did she reject their advances? Oh, yeah. She kept telling them she didn't want to and laughing a lot. And from the sounds of it, Paul was getting impatient. And Carla had a look of, you better get this turned around. And I feel like that's when Carla told Tammy she had something that would make her feel better. I feel like she was willing to take it because she was feeling really pukey and didn't want to be sicker. Obviously, she didn't think her sister was going to take advantage of her. She shows me she was still in and out by the time her sister started to assault her. And from the sounds of it, she had no control over her body anymore. She remembers a few moments, but mostly she had passed out through most of it, thankfully. It took them a few hours to complete this rape and to feel happy as they went on. As soon as they were done, looks like he didn't really care to do anything more with her. And from what she shows me, she was also in and out and crying at this time, trying to get them to help her. She said, please call a doctor. And before she died, they both knew that they couldn't, you know, just leave her there. So they ended up taking her to bed. And from the sounds of it, Carla had no care, no love, no remorse. And from what Tammy shows me now, Carla does think about it now and feels bad about it now. But she's more so focused on herself. Is there anything else that she would like to tell us before we move on to the next part of this case? Well, from what she shows me, she said that Carla was a child. She never grew up. She always felt like the black sheep of the family. She never felt loved by her parents. She wanted their approval so badly and Tammy just got it. And at times she felt bad for her sister. She felt like Carla had gotten a little bit of love and affection, but needed much more. And then, of course, when Paul came in, she would have done anything for him. Paul had always had a way of making things seem normal. 
She said that Carla had a lot of moments in her life where she felt like she needed to get revenge. And this was one of those moments. Now, she doesn't blame Carla. She feels like Carla was also taken advantage of. And yes, she should have not done any of this by any means. But she feels like she was groomed from a young age and was very controlled. From what she shows me, Paul had say-so in everything she did, including what she ate. She knows her sister made mistakes and that are absolutely unforgivable. And she did lie and she did do bad things in the matters of love. But she does love her sister and wants everyone to know that Carla wasn't all bad and had some really great moments. She had a few memories of Carla and her getting along and having a good time. She also loves to look back at those memories and she feels at peace. She said that Carla also asked her for forgiveness when she ended up in jail and wanted her to know she forgave her. I'm not sure if Carla has children or not, but she keeps referencing a child. That is her consistent reminder of Tammy, and she has to live with that every single day. So Tammy feels like Carla paid her debt to society. Pretty much. She feels at peace and is okay with her sister now and forgives her. I think she's the only one that feels that way, but we will talk about that part later. All right. By 1991, Bernardo and Homoka had moved into their own bungalow and were married in a very lavish June ceremony near Niagara Falls. Like the two of them didn't just kill someone. <laughs> right? Just pretend like nothing happened and didn't murder anyone. Thinking about how her sister didn't get to be part of her wedding day because she killed her? What a bizarre situation. Well, they were reminded yet again about something connected to the murder because the exact same day that they were married, a boater on Lake Gibson in Ontario discovered blocks of cement that contained dismembered limbs. While the two lovebirds were on their happy honeymoon in Hawaii, they were able to identify Leslie Mahaffey, who disappeared two weeks earlier. She had also been locked out of her house for missing curfew. Like Tammy, they had brutally raped her and tortured her, and they filmed their actions as she pleaded for her life. Later, after they were convicted, Carla claimed that Bernardo strangled her to death so she wouldn't identify them. Yes, Leslie's parents had blamed themselves for so long. Even now they blame themselves for her death. And she just wants to clear all that up. What exactly does she want to clear up? Her family keeps focusing on the fact that they didn't let her come back in and locked her out due to the curfew situation. She was acting out a lot. She was also coming home late a lot. And this was the family's last resort with her. She shows me she did try and come home and yes, she was locked out and she did decide to try and find a place to go because she did have to go to the washroom and since there was no washroom around, she shows me she was pouting and talking to herself and had some major attitude while walking to the nearest gas station. From the sounds of it, she had seen Carla and Paul drive by on one side of the road. I feel like she was really fuming, and since she had this good-looking couple kind of approach her, she really felt kind of warm. So when they did end up approaching her, she felt comfortable enough to tell them what had happened, and that she knows her parents will open the door eventually. Of course, this poor girl would find comfort in a young couple, and also understood parental roles since they were pretty young themselves. 
Exactly. And from what I can see, it didn't matter what Leslie was saying to them. They agreed with her about everything and they offered her a place to stay so that no one could hurt her. And from the sounds of it, Leslie felt comfortable and happy with the idea. She didn't have to sit outside anymore, even though she had only been outside for maybe 20 minutes. Now, before she decided to walk over to the nearest gas station and from what she shows me, They said they would get her some food and some snacks and maybe watch a movie and go to sleep. Either way, they had a nice place to hang out, so she agreed. Those are the worst kind of predators, the ones who can disguise themselves as good people. They are the most dangerous. Oh, yeah. She said they did get her something to eat. Then they asked her inappropriate questions. But since she was still a kid, she assumed that that was the kind of conversations to have while they were just hanging out with adults. It went like that until they raped and murdered her. She shows me they laughed at her and made her do things that she didn't want to do. And she begged for her life, of course, yes. She also told them to tell her family she was sorry. Her family blamed themselves so harshly. And she knows that that's not the reason that this happened. She said that Carla was very much involved in her death. In fact, Paul wanted to make sure that Carla took the lead in this killing. And from what Carla told her, they wanted to let her go once they got what they wanted from her. She promised her she would, and she was depending on that to happen. So she just kind of went with it eventually. It's unbelievable of what could have been prevented from this happening if they had just took his sample and matched it against the other DNA samples. It really was sad that this didn't go in that direction. I feel like she also could have been saved. I also feel like Carla had an opportunity to help her escape from him, and I feel like she didn't do it. She also shows me that Carla tried to make her feel like she was on her side and that she was trying to convince Paul to keep her alive, but she shows me something very interesting. What does she show you? I feel like Paul had given her the choice of what to do with her body. And I believe Carla was the one to decide that they should strangle her. Did Leslie hear her say something? Yep. She said she talked to Paul in the corner while she lay there beaten and broken and tied up. She just pretended to be sleeping so they would leave her alone. When they killed her, what was the reason they decided to dismember her and then put her in the concrete? That part was from Paul, from the sounds of it. Leslie shows me that he enjoyed doing this, did some really gross things while he did it too. And Paul had other females that he would try to pick up all the time. And apparently Carla would get really jealous of these women he would try to pick up. He would tell them they were beautiful and innocent and so much better than Carla. And that also started to really get to Carla too. I mean, yeah, this entire messed up bizarre situation they were in, something out of a horror movie. So, of course, she was starting to feel terrible about it. So, from what we heard, he was pretty abusive towards her, which isn't something surprising since he loved to abuse his victims as well. Did you know they had a fascination with the American Psycho book? They felt like they could really relate to him. Interesting. In April of 1992, Bernardo and Homoka abducted a 15-year-old girl, Kristen French, in a church parking lot. She was walking home from school They kept her for a few days as a sex slave, and then the body was found naked and battered. Also, her head was shaved. (sighs) This one's like the most gruesome one, in my opinion. So Kristen is going to talk about a few things here, but she was approached by them in almost the same way Leslie was, 
But from what she shows me, they invited her to hang out and I feel like they used a different line on her. This was more about being a model and that Carla had experience with it and she could help her. I feel like she was excited about the opportunity and decided to go with the couple. She said to me that she didn't know at the time that they had actually been following behind her before they approached her. She was actually walking with a friend initially and they talked about modeling or something to that effect. And that's where they got this idea of talking to her about modeling. They stopped her and asked her for directions. And a little after her friend had parted ways with her, they started to talk about her appearance and that they kind of tried to lure her. Normally, she wouldn't fall for things like that. But Carla had such a warm and loving vibe. Even Paul was really friendly. So she said the two of them just seemed really nice and wanted to help her. So she decided to go with them. She said she felt chills down her spine. Like, you know, forget about it, turn around. But she felt like she was being a coward and talked herself back into it. She also shows me she knew inside, deep down inside, something was going to happen and it wasn't going to be good. Kristen seems like she had that intuition inside of her. I wish we could have stopped her. Oh yeah, she is very smart. As soon as they started to ride off in the car, she shows me that within two minutes of being in that car, she asked where they were headed and they both hesitated to tell her anything and said just to enjoy the ride. She said she wanted to go home and they kept laughing and telling her they were going to drop her off. They just need to make a pit stop first. She shows me that they drove for about a half an hour to 45 minutes. She started to get worried even more. She told them to take her home right away. I keep seeing that Paul had made some sort of remark like, I'm having car issues. I can't drive you back home. You'll have to call your parents to come and get you. She didn't really believe anything they were saying at this point, but she was reluctant to go into their little torture chamber. And from what I can see, there was no phone. They told her to take a drink. She refused. She also refused their advances. She screamed at the top of her lungs. She shows me she fought them hard. She said no. She begged them to let her go. She said she was sorry. Lastly, Carla decided to drug her and she became more willing to participate. She shows me she was dizzy and out of it and most of the time they kept her alive. They kept raping her. She begged them to stop. She asked to be let go and she said that she would bite them. I see that Paul had reacted. He also hurt her back. She shows me she called him worthless and not a man. He hated that. He punished her for that one punished her for not being submissive. She told him she would never be, even with the drugs, as long as she held on, she fought. She said that Carla was trying to play victim in her eyes. Carla would talk to her when Paul would leave. She told her she didn't want to do any of this, and Paul was beating her too. So she was lying to her. So Carla was looking for sympathy from Kristen. Pretty much. And Kristen didn't let her. She said she would say things like, well, then why are you helping him? Let me go. Show me you can do better. Did she tell her about the other victims? She did. She used Kristen as a therapist or tried to. Kristen tried to befriend her to get her to let her go from what I can see as time progressed. And Carla told her she would let her go as she promised that when Paul was done, she will pretend she's already killed and, you know, take care of her. 
Did Kristen believe her? From what she shows me, Paul and Carla would talk about how they were going to kill her and they aren't sure what to do with her. They both talked about it openly and she had hope. She said she did witness the abuse. She said she never felt bad for Carla, though, because she could have gotten her out of it. When she told her about her sister being the first female that they raped, Kristen didn't understand why she would do that to anyone. She said she didn't have any remorse about her sister. She said that she felt like Carla deserved what she was getting. She felt like if she didn't care about her own sister, then how the hell could she care about me? Someone who didn't care about her own sister wouldn't care about me. So she prepared to die. Does she have anything else that she would like to talk about with this situation that had taken place? Her family. She said her family did everything they could to look for her. She said that she is so sorry she got into the car. She knows it's not something she really had much control over, but she said she's sorry she did it. She wishes she had the chance to have grandbabies. She really never wanted to disappoint her family, and she just wants them to know that. She also keeps showing me she is very unhappy with the outcome for Carla. Uh, her sentencing? Yes, she feels like there is something else that could have happened. She feels like Carla should have at least served 25 to life. She said she felt like Carla did get treated badly in her life, and there are people that see her every day and don't trust her or her parents or her children. She is living a bit of a hell, so she said that it's not necessarily justice that she deserves, but maybe an outcast kind of helps. She feels like she gets money, though, for the struggle. She also said her child is cold like she is, and it worries her. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about or discuss? From what I feel and see on this situation with these victims of Paul, there were a lot that never came forward, and I keep seeing a few in high school. I feel like he raped a few people in a building near where he lived as well. Now we had visited the Kingston Penitentiary where Paul was housed for a period of time. I remember you feeling his energy in there. Would you like to elaborate on that? Oh yeah. Now when we were in the solitary confinement area, you get this little outdoor room where it's all white. There was a chair in there, but they don't have chairs. You, all you can do is just walk around for an hour. And it is also a cell. They can't do anything in that room. And I walked around the entire room and I felt him. I felt him thinking about his victims, about the bodies, what they looked like, things that happened with Carla's rapes, his murders. He's consistently thinking about them. He didn't really care about what he did. He wanted to do it again. He wants to do it again. He thinks about it over and over again and even thinks about his new murders. He will see people on television or just people that pass by or whatever the case may be. And he wants to rape and kill them. He has not become a better person. He has not learned a damn thing. I felt sorry for a lot of the prisoners that had spent time in that jail and scared for them, honestly. But with him, mm -mm, not at all. He has some sort of evil in him. And I personally don't ever feel like he will learn. I also feel like he will be dead within the next 15 years. I feel like he's going to get sick. I feel like someone also wants to get their hands on him and kill him, of course, but they can't touch him. He seems pretty untouchable. Well, thank you, Liz, for all of that. And thank you to the victims. Such a sad story. Thank you to our Facebook group and thank you to all of our patrons. Until next time, guys, stay freaked out. Stay freaked out.